This episode of TGC Podcast is brought to you by Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. Southeastern understands that you have a strategic and valuable role to play in getting the gospel to your neighbors and the nations. That's why they offer more than 40 degrees at the undergraduate, graduate, and doctoral levels to equip you to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission. Visit sebts.edu to learn more. This episode of TGC Podcast is sponsored by Acts 29, with an invitation to their 2024 Next Conference, happening April 15th through the 17th in Dallas, Texas. You don't want to miss this great lineup of speakers, including Sam Albury, Matt Chandler, Brian Loritz, John Piper, and more. The Next Conference will equip and encourage church planters and church leaders of all types for church ministry. To learn more and register for Next, visit acts29.com slash next. TGC podcast listeners will receive a special discount of $20 off registration prices by using the code TGC. Again, visit acts29.com slash next. That's acts29.com slash next. Welcome to the Gospel Coalition Podcast, equipping the next generation of believers, pastors, and church leaders to shape life and ministry around the gospel. On today's episode, you'll hear a panel discussion with Lauren Hansen, Megan Hill, and Lindsay Carlson. This panel was originally held at TGC's 2021 Women's Conference. so great to be here with you today. Um, This is Encouragement for Pastors and Elders' Wives. My name is Megan Hill, and I'm a pastor's wife and a pastor's daughter and the mother of four pastor's kids. Um, uh, I've written several books. I have a brand new book of Encouragements for Pastors and Elders' Wives that just came out like two days ago. My husband, Rob, is the pastor of West Springfield Covenant Community Church in Western Massachusetts. And I'm joined by Lindsay Carlson. Lindsay is a Texas native and she's now serving alongside her husband in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, They planted and now her husband is pastoring Imprint Community Church and she's the mom of five and she has a book for young teens called Growing in Godliness, which is fantastic. And she's working on another book about encouragement that should be out sometime next year. And then this is Lauren Hansen, and Lauren and her husband Colin live in Birmingham, and her husband Colin is an elder um, at Redeemer Community Church, and he's also the vice president for content and editor-in-chief of TGC and my boss, which is fun, Um, before becoming a stay-at-home mom of two and now number three on the way. Yay! Um, Lauren was the head of communications for an East Coast grocery corporation. So we are just delighted to be here with you all. The three of us are friends, and we have had such a good time talking about some of the joys and the challenges of being in ministry, um, married to a pastor or an elder, and we just hope that you are encouraged by being here in this room with other women who get you and who know some of your unique concerns and struggles. I'd like to start by reading um, from the book of 2 Timothy, 
one of my favorite verses about ministry, um, 2 Timothy chapter 4. You know, 2 Timothy was Paul's last letter that he ever wrote, so these are sort of some of his final words. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul is writing from prison, um, sort of toward the end of his ministry, and he writes these words um, in verse 13. He writes, when you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books, and above all, the parchments. And I'd like for us in our time together um, to just use that verse as kind of a structure for our time. I think it's interesting here. We see the great apostle Paul, right, who planted churches throughout the known world and who argued apologetics with kings and who wrote these letters. And yet here in this little, very practical, almost seemingly insignificant verse, we kind of see some of the things that kept Paul going. How did he keep going in ministry? life. And of course, it was the spirit that sustained him. But in this verse, I think we see three other things that encouraged his heart and kept him going. And those are the three things we're going to talk about today together. So in verse 13, he says, when you come to Timothy, and I think that testifies to his need for friendship. Paul needed friends. He wasn't a lone ranger. You know, his his books are full of um, mentions of particular people and encouragements and testimonies to how other people had blessed him. So he had need for friends. We're going to talk about friendship today. Then he says, bring the cloak that I left with Kerpus at Troas. This is so precious, right? The great apostle Paul, and he's saying, could you bring my favorite sweater? I'm, I'm cold. I need my favorite sweater, right? And I think that testifies to, you know, if the great apostle Paul needed to care for his physical and emotional and mental well-being, we need to care for that too. And it's okay to ask for your favorite sweater. So we're going to talk a little bit about our physical and mental and emotional well-being, how we can nurture that and care for that in ministry. And then finally, Paul says, also the books and above all the parchments. And we don't know exactly what that was. Was that scripture that Paul was writing? Was it scripture? he was reading? Was it commentaries that were helping him? But somehow this testifies to his need for spiritual growth, for time with the Lord, for learning from the word. And that's so important to us too as pastors and elders' wives. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. How do we nurture our own souls? How do we attend to our own souls when we're in this situation as pastors and elders' wives? So with that in mind, with that verse in mind and that structure in mind, um, Lindsay, can you tell me a little bit, we're going to talk a little bit about friendship Um, You know, and when women are in ministry, they spend a lot of time caring for other people, giving out, attending to other people's needs, which is a precious calling and a real privilege to bear other people's burdens and to care for them. But at the same time, it can be hard to find other women who are willing to do that for us. So what are some difficulties you've had in the search for friends? Um, I think part of the problem comes when uh, we all come into ministry with very different expectations of who our friends will be, how they will provide for us. Um, And so as a pastor's wife, if you come into a church situation and you are kind of primarily pouring out with the expectation that your congregation is going to be pouring back into you in the same ways, um, sometimes that can set us up for disappointment um, because... Um, I mean, there are such different varying church contexts. I've served on it. My husband has served on staff at a large church. Right now we're in a small church plant. And so there's so many different scenarios where you may be on a large staff, you may be on a small staff. 
Um, and so we can't really have the same expectations in every context. Um, so I think sometimes knowing your own personal needs for, um, like if I'm an introvert or if I'm an extrovert or I really need someone that's gonna be able to be older and wiser and listen, and I may not find that in my church and that's okay and I don't need to have that. Um, if the Lord provides it, that's wonderful. Um, there have been seasons where I have prayed that the Lord will provide specific kinds of people. Um, but I think that it's been really helpful to have a context of, it's okay for me to find ministry friends outside of my local church so that I kind of have other women who can relate to me in my sphere of life. Um, and those can be really safe and life-giving friendships because um, I, can, I can say, I'm really struggling in ministry or this is really hard. And hear other women who have had the same kind of experiences go, oh man, yeah, I hit that at year seven or I, oh my gosh, those are hard situations. So I think it's really important to develop ministry relationships. Mm -hmm. I think that's really great. Lauren, um, you know, friendship isn't a one-way street, right? It's a mutual thing, and we're giving and receiving back and forth. So what are some ways to sort of develop that kind of mutual friendship that you found? So um, speaking as an elder's wife, and hopefully some of y'all are out there too, um, that give and take I found to be healthily developed by having the confidence in God and his plan and who he's made us to be, to share our own real lives, struggles, highs, lows with others as is appropriate, um, to be able just to develop that intimacy as that give and take. It can be very tempting not to really share our full selves because uh, we've seen a ministry, it's not always received well. There are some godly, well-meaning people who think that truly leaders should be exemplary, and if they do share struggles or burdens, um, they should not hold a leadership role. And uh, that can be a devastating thing if it happens, and it also can be a temptation to say, you know, we got to hide this kind of stuff because if people knew how we really need prayer, how we really need for them to just come around us right now, uh, then they would not accept us as the people God put in this position. So we've just taken some chances to um, to develop the, the friendship intimacy by being the ones oftentimes to first really share. Um, we, we developed a, a term kind of early in our church years, my husband and I did, of um, being invasively loving. <laughs> and the first time was we were at a church event and we got, um, we got a text from a girl in our small group who uh, was seeking the Lord, not a Christian yet, and her boyfriend had just broken up with her and we looked at each other and we were like, we should just leave this church event and just go and sit with her. And it felt kind of weird because she, she was not a Christian yet and was from a secular background. And, you know, Christians are the type of people who just show up at your door to care. And we just did. And we're like, we're here to invasively love you. Um, but, you know, we, we took that chance because she could have been like, you know, this, it, I'm not comfortable. You're just too much, you know. But it turned into a real depth of relationship where she became somebody who would do the same thing for us. So taking that chance to know, you know, at times people aren't going to receive that that um, vulnerability well, but most times it, it just works out. And as leaders, sometimes we have to set that tone. Thank you. 
So Paul asked for his cloak, right? He asked for something that would help him care for his physical and mental and emotional well-being. And Lauren, you're somebody who's been pretty public about your struggle with anxiety, with depression. Why do you think it's important for church leaders' wives to acknowledge sometimes their mental and emotional struggles? And how can you do that in a healthy way that's not oversharing or overly vulnerable to you? Yeah, absolutely. There is that that balance of, um, particularly at times when you yourself need care to be wise about who you're sharing information with because you're in your own process of sanctification and growth and healing. Um, I had depression and then anxiety through my last pregnancy, started while pregnant and then continued on postpartum. And um, I didn't know that was a thing, by the way, if that helps anybody. I did not know that you could be a Pardonly depressed, and so I would even tell people like I don't feel quite, you know. And they're well, you're pregnant, you know. Of course, you're supposed to be like that. And I was like, yeah, you know. But um, it took a long time to realize what was really going on, and and God's provision and grace in that was was telling the people who should know, and having our pastors um, get involved, even just to say, you are a leader, but we love you and care about you, and just as your leader, we're asking you to go, just to go see a doctor and go see a counselor and see what's up. Um, So, and a few friends knew, but while you're going through something like depression and anxiety, you know, I myself was not really in a position to be somebody who was, you know, Megan said, I've, I've talked about it publicly, but that is very much once having been provided by the Lord with resources and many other things. Um, But, um, but to take, to take mental health seriously and to have leaders that um, wanted my well-being more than my service and my role, that if it were a choice between you keep doing all of what, all the tasks you're doing for the church versus, you know, and, and showing that you have a weakness by stepping away from that, we'd, we'd rather you be well than you continue to do this stuff for us. Um, I'm very grateful for and seeing a counselor and going to a doctor and realizing that I think as <clears throat> Christian women, we can all be tempted to think, excuse me, <coughs> we can all be tempted to think that anxiety especially is something that is a spiritual weakness if we suffer from it. And, you know, you can think about the verse in Philippians and, you know, pray and then you'll have peace beyond understanding and no anxiety. And so I was really hard on myself thinking that this is some sort of weakness within me that needs to be conquered and to seek professional resources to say you have actual brain chemical things going on in your brain and we're going to be responsible and treat it with medicine. And then once I did that, I even felt guilty about doing that and talked to my counselor and she was like, well, how are you doing? Are you better? Did it help? I was like, oh my goodness, it's so, (laughs) it's so helped. And she was like, well, then you had a brain chemical thing going on. Like, if this were all about your own personal spiritual awesomeness, the medicine wouldn't have worked. And I was, uh, yeah, that's right. Uh huh. Yeah. So um, anyway, long answer to your to your question there. But thank you. So I think in ministry, sometimes our emotional well-being kind of comes crashing down at the moment that the pressures in the church or the pressures in the home also come crashing down. And so there's like this trifecta of crisis that happens. We're not very well and, you know, maybe not clinically not well, but just not 
feeling our best, our best selves, and then something in the church is going on, something at home is going on, and there's just kind of this big crash. So, Lindsay, would you just talk a little bit about how you can um, help yourself to be in a good place every day on ordinary days, maybe so that when some other things come crashing down, you're in a better place? Yeah. Yeah, so I think that it's kind of the difference between treating like an injury with a like a Band-Aid, um, like, you know, when something happens in the church and you want to put a Band-Aid on it and make it better, but it's like um, a lot healthier to, to learn how to like work out and build muscle. And so you don't injure yourself and snap a ligament or something, you know, so it's the, it's the understanding of every day I have the chance to prepare my mind and prepare my heart and prepare my body um, to be a steward of the living God and his word. And so that's it can feel like a big mantle, but I think if we look at it as like, what are the small things that I can do um, on a regular basis? And I don't mean in a like meticulous OCD way, like of, you know, like checking off boxes, but I mean like if we understand the why of why we pursue things like that, um, we're a lot more likely to give time and energy to them. And so I think sometimes that takes a little bit of um, creativity and self-awareness and understanding how God created you, how God, um, specifically how you enjoy relating to the Lord and worshiping him. So like if I'm having a really bad day or a hard day, um, I, I will get in my car and just listen to worship music and sing my heart out not with a child in the car, but by myself. And, and it will totally change my mindset and I will be able to find peace and rest. But if I were to like take my Bible in that specific moment, like it would be kind of like pouring water on dry ground. So I know that for me, for Bible intake, I have to be doing that on a regular basis because if I only went to the Bible in the moment of like panic, oh my goodness, what's happening? Like it would not satisfy the need in my soul that I have to be putting it in, planting it, letting it grow. Um, so we were actually talking this morning about how um, I'm super scatterbrained. And so I actually leave Bibles all over my house because I know I'm not gonna run upstairs in the middle of when someone happens to be distracted and I have a moment that I can pick it up. Um, I know I'm not gonna go upstairs and go get the Bible out of my nightstand drawer and come all the way back down and not get distracted by someone else's needs, right? But if I have them kind of strategically placed throughout the house in 12 different places, um, it's not that bad, but I'm gonna be a lot more likely to use time that I have to pick it up and be encouraged by that. So I think it's just like life hacking your own spiritual journey and figuring out how can I invest my time in ways that the Lord is strengthening and um, and just helping me grow in him so that when the crazy comes, the word is already in there, living and active. That's great. Okay, so then finally, Paul asks for his friend Timothy to bring him the books and the parchments. And so he was attending to his own spiritual growth, his own spiritual needs. So I think sometimes people in the church can assume that if you're the pastor's wife, you're an elder's wife, you must be a spiritual giant. You know, your husband knows all this theology or knows all this Bible stuff. So it must be that you also are exactly like him and you must be a spiritual giant too. So Maybe, Lindsay, you could talk a little bit about how it can be challenging to have people make assumptions about your spiritual maturity or your spiritual growth. And then why should church leaders be honest about the fact that they need to grow? So I think that's a really great question. Um, so I, I became a pastor's wife at 22, 21, 22. Um, and like I look back and think how hard I was on myself um, as 
someone who had not even been walking with the Lord um, for 10 years when I was thrust into this position. And um, I put a lot of very unrealistic expectations on myself to have like Polaroid developing faith. Like I should shake this and it should be there because they expect it. And, um, and so when I would get in a situation where my maturity did not match the situation that I was in, I was terrified to just say that. Like, you know what? I actually have no idea. I don't know the answer to that question. Uh, let, me, let me talk to my husband. Let me read the word. Let me come back to you later. Um, or to just say, hey, I sinned against you and I'm really sorry. Like, that's a bad area that I struggle with and I need to confess that and repent. Um, I was so terrified that someone was going to like pull the the sheet off and show like, ooh, Lindsay accidentally became a pastor's wife, you know, and my husband would lose his job or something. And um, so I think that when we model to our congregations that we are growth in progress, like we are being transformed every day by the renewing of our minds, and that is a messy, complicated work. And so I'm not going to be the like picturesque version of who you might think um, or, and different people have different versions of what they're looking for. So being willing to um, give yourself, I think, the grace and compassion to be um, the creation that the Lord made you to be in the marriage that he placed you in, in the family that you're in, um, and being open uh, and willing to dialogue with people about that um, and not feel that personal shame, I think, that can come with that when you see evidences of insufficiency because we know we need Jesus. Totally. So, Lauren, how do pastors and elders' wives nurture their souls? How, what, what practical or what particular practices have you found helpful to grow spiritually as, a past, as an elder's wife? So, it can be challenging because, as we've talked about, there's a lot of pressure on ourselves to meet some sort of vague standard that our culture, our, our community, or we ourselves put, put on ourselves. But um, just to see ourselves as... Just like you're saying, Lindsay, uh, we are daughters of King Jesus, and we are all sinful and fall short of the glory of God, and we're all saved by his grace, one just like another. Um, we're all parts of the body of Christ, and we have our hands and our feet and our heads, and, and um, our families are called into a role of, of service, but um, we're just still all part of the, the fullness of the body together. So to have realistic standards and see ourselves, our identity in Christ and everything that God is, his full character and what he, what he calls us, how he describes us, um, and to nurture and, and grow our faith um, personally as we would encourage others to do participation, participation in spiritual disciplines, of course, read your Bible, pray all the things that you've probably told countless others to go and do. Sometimes it can be really hard to do ourselves, and especially in this season of pandemic. I've heard more and more from leaders just, I just, I just, I just don't have it. Like, there's so many people, and they need so much, and I'm just trying to show up to my commitments and give what I have. And I just, I don't have a lot left. And so even just remember God's kind, kindness, and he wants to answer the prayer of, Lord, I, help my unbelief, help me want 
want to know you more, want to be in your word, and even to say, it's so wise for Lindsay to say, you know, I, I want to go and get my car and listen to worship. I mean, that's, that's great. But how often do we think like, no, I should be doing this a different way because somehow this way of being in a relationship with God is not as good as this other way of being in a relationship with God. Um, so to, to just seek him in ways that he's individually created us and the myriad beauty of how he he makes his people um and also just to be aware that it can be very hard for pastors wives and elders wives who know so much about the inner workings of the church you know who get backstage and see all of the mess that a lot of people are joyfully blissfully ignorant of to know that we might need to be more intentional about seeking out teaching that's outside of our direct realm you know, we might want to go and and listen to podcasts or videos or do Bible studies ourselves or something where we um, reach out to the the broader church community to learn about God on our own or with a friend or, or whatever that may be. Just sometimes it's hard when you know what's happened in the elder meeting and all the yucky, messy, and then to go to church and be like, I'm trying not to think of you personally right now as you tell that to me, but it's, it's really difficult. Um, so, um, so to get outside of, of those roles a little bit can be just a, a helpful, practical thing. Let me pray for you all before we close, before we leave here. Father, we thank you so much that you are a loving and a kind God, and we thank you for your church Uh, the church that you purchased with your own blood and that the son laid his life down for to perfect. And we thank you for the privilege of serving the church. I thank you for each of these women in this room and the way that you have called them and brought them into this role of caring for your church, caring for their husbands, caring for their families, Lord. And I pray that as we go out from here, Lord, that your spirit would encourage our hearts in this work, that we would believe that it's a good work and that we would see your goodness in it, even in the hard times. And we pray that you would be making us holy, that you would be showing us Christ, even in the daily work that you have called us to do. Lord, we thank you for all of these things in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Gospel Coalition podcast. Check out more gospel-centered resources at thegospelcoalition.org.